Hello everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 669, recording live today on Wednesday the 19th of May. Yes, indeed it is. Uh, finally getting around to a bit of not quite so freezing weather in the UK. Summer seems to have been deferred this year, so I'm hoping it's going to get a bit nicer. But hey, it's not a weather programme. This is a podcast to do with music technology and all the associated topics synthesizers, software, production, live production, streaming, all of the kind of things that surround the modern music industry, as it were. I want to say you can get this uh, podcast in audio via Spotify, Stitcher, Google, iTunes, Alexa, all of those kind of good places. We post it every time. We're thinking about the possibility of streaming this to Discord uh, on a community server with a sort of something called a stage. I need to look into that and figure out whether we can do all of that, but that might be something easy, so it might just give us another another avenue, as it were. And I want to say thank you very much to our friends over at Isotope for uh, supporting, and also um, you must check out their uh, they've got a community program uh, thing at the moment, community bundle, I think it's called. I only just spotted it, uh, which you could get eleven plugins for forty nine bucks, and you might even be able to use your. Um, is that the right one? Yes, you might be able to use the Sonic Ten checkout on ten percent. You might save an additional ten percent. I can't vouch for that, but hey, be a nice little extra if you couldn't, uh, if you could. Uh, and also, we'll be hearing from Mode a little bit later. I uh, also want to say, if you feel like supporting on Patreon, we've been posting a few more things up there. Uh, the URL is patreon.com forward slash Sonic State. We've got, uh, uh, I think I posted something, an ad-free version of one of our uh, IK Uno Synth Pro, which is turning out to be a really good little thing. This was just a, a thing we did with the developers. And there's a few other bits and pieces up there which have been going up recently. This is all exclusive video. It's not stuff you generally get uh, via our YouTube channel. So it's a great way to kind of get a little bit extra as well as patches and downloads and, you know, all that other stuff that comes along. Anyway, I want to say thank you very much uh, to our guests because they are here today as well. Um, well, actually, let's just say hello to our chatties as well. We've got those in the YouTube. We've got IRC, uh, the address you could see on the left there, sonicstate.com forward slash live will take you to the current live thing and the IRC address. And also um, we've got our Twitchers, Discorders and YouTubers, which are also replicated there. So let's say hi to our guests. I finally got round to that. Uh, first of all, we have Mr. Ty Unwin, who we haven't seen for a while, in glorious 4.3, proper 80s TV style, but with a very high-definition image. How are you, Ty? You well? <laughs> Media composer, like studio owner, all of those things. How are you doing? General, general twat. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why it keeps going to this 4.3. I don't, I don't really know. Is it a setting? Mark will be able to tell me this. Is it a setting on the camera? I don't yeah, I don't know. I, it probably is, but I don't know what it. Okay. What, I don't know why it would be the HDMI okay. out HDMI out format. I would imagine. I will look into it and resolve it. But meanwhile, I'm going to stay 80s styly. <clears throat> yeah, that's fine. It's a conscious decision, obviously, that I've made, and uh, I'm sticking with it. Yay. How are you though, Ty? Are you well? Have you been uh, busy and uh, and all of those things? Uh, busy still trying to sort out the studio and the new studio and yeah just sorting and getting a bit stressed i mean one of the bits i think we we'll, might come to because it links in with one of the subjects but generally yeah absolutely fine just still trying to get this room finished i mean 
yeah, the days of, the, do you remember the days when we used to do complete studio redesigns and rebuilds and whatever, and we used to start in the morning and by six o'clock it was finished after we'd plugged in our MIDI sequencer and three synths and plugged them into the mixer. <laughs> do you remember yeah, those days? a little bit. Well, I do. I, I, th- I yeah. blame the patch bay. That was what always <laughs> basically took it from a, I, a two-day project into months of... of I haven't of even got... I, I haven't even got near the patch bay yet. I mean, you know, Yikes. I swear to God, I'm going to have a very long grey beard by the time I finished this. So, well, but it's all good. at least it's all there'll good. be some hair on your head because we've got a team this week of uh, of of fairly non hirsute individuals. But uh, thank you <laughs> for joining us. Uh, we'll now go over to Mr. Steve Hillier, who's over there. Steve Hillier, dub star, educator, DJ, songwriter, all of those things. I haven't seen you for ages, Steve. How are you? Uh, yeah, no, I'm good as well uh, as a non-hair suit individual. Uh, yeah, um, just uh, kind of looking forward to going out for a pint and ah. it, I'm not freezing and sitting outside. You know what I mean? It's been it's been a bit of a labour of love for the last five weeks. So um, just uh, that's something that I'm looking forward to this week. And um, but beyond that, I've, I've just come to the end of what was quite a, a demanding long project uh, and just freeing up some more time for composing and writing and also sorting out my studio as well. Ah, oh, um, studio really sorting out seems to be a theme. Do you think something to do with spring? I don't know. Maybe that's what's going on. It seems seems that maybe that's, that's a thing. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's something like that. I found um, eBay's been very helpful just recently. Just, um, it's funny, you open up the cupboard in one of your studio rooms and you discover things that you bought in 1992 that you thought would be really useful one day. 29 years later, it, it's time to give up on that, I think. <laughs> you, you're, having a, you're actually having a declutter, are you? That's impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, if anyone needs a garlic press, I've got at least four. Oh, okay. That's. I'm not sure why you would need one of those in the studio, but uh, I mean, I won't ask. <laughs> well, I did ask, I suppose. When needs must. Well, um, if you've got to have anyway, garlic, nice you've to be here, have garlic. Yes. Anyway, lovely. Um, so, um, well, let's start. I'm going to start with uh, this topic, actually, because I just think it's kind of interesting. This is the new Cherry Audio PS20, which is, uh, it's an interesting idea, you know, um, uh, MS20 in software, you know, They've been releasing a lot of products, but this is a polyphonic MS-20 called the PS-20, which is an interesting idea. Um, They've also, I think, uh, added effects and digital reverbs. MPE support was nice to see, but they've also uh, added MPE, sub-oscillator on VCO1, PWM modulation. Yes, they kept the pitch tracker envelope follower. Obviously, you can skin it, you can do all of that stuff. Yeah, and it's only $29, which just seems very unlikely. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it seems like a crazy price. I mean, Cherry Audio are really smashing out these kind of affordable things. I mean, I wasn't hearing an awful lot of uh, MS-20 character in the demo there, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, that might just be the patch choice because the MS-20 is capable of quite a lot of different types of sounds. So, you know, maybe the one in my head is not the one that they're, they've focused on. I know, um, Steve, did you go MS-20? I can't see. Is that one back there or is that an MS-10? Is it- uh, yeah, there is. It's, it's just here. It's uh, just here. And um, this is my uh, synthesizer that I go to for bass. Right. It's... It's just for analog bass anyway. So um, 
No, it sounds really good. Uh, you know, I, I tried out the the P20 earlier today, uh, knowing we were talking about it. And, um, you know, I, initially I, I kind of thought, this doesn't really sound that much like my Korg MS20 just behind me. But but then I realized after a while that actually my Korg MS20 doesn't really sound like anybody else's Korg yeah, MS20. Yeah, I think that's it's the way it goes, isn't old. it? No, it's, it's a sort of unique thing. Um, but the longer that I use the P20, I started to really quite like it, actually, and it and it and yeah, it does have that um, MS twenty thing about it in the sense that it can be aggressive sounding without it sounding like it's working really hard. If you know what I mean, like it's trying to impress you, it just has a, right. a similar character. Um, what I thought initially, whilst after after I got over that, was I'm not really sure if I would use this in a a context where I would require a polysynth. And yet, playing some chords and mucking around with it, um, it was sort of taking me into um, areas of uh, a polyphonic uh, work that I, I just, you know, and creating sounds that I wouldn't normally have thought of using. So it was kind of interesting, but ultimately I kind of realised that what would be really useful for me and for what I do is that I've spent plenty of time uh, laying up, layering up my Korg MS-20 to play chords, like ah, two-note chords. Right. Big fan of two-note chords, yeah. in particularly in the bottom end of arrangements. And this is where I think the P20 could work for me. So we're not, we're not doing big sort of polysynth kind of work like you would do with a Jupiter or a Juno or, or DX7 or whatever. It, maybe it's more slightly more limited polyphony that's going to be um, uh, how it works for me, I suppose. But it's an interesting uh, plug-in. Definitely. Yeah, and, and for 29 you know, euros, you really exactly, can't Exactly, there's wrong. hardly... Well, the other thing I noticed, if I bring the picture up here, I, you put, there's a voice a voice assignment, so you can actually unison uh, all of those and detune them, which that's, you know, where I, there was a, pa a piece by uh, Brent March from ADSR um, who was going through some stuff and, and some of those bass sounds did actually sound pretty good. I don't know, that some some synths, uh, are they supposed to be polyphonic? You've gone all dark. Get, um, it, it's gone dark in your room, yeah. I, well, I mean, I can still oh. see you, but let me see if I can... <laughs> I, just, I can still see you. <laughs> it hasn't gone just, that dark. No, it's just dark. Are you just trying to make me look even paler than I really am? That's but it. Is that, is that what no, you're I wasn't. To? I've just turned up. <laughs> what do you think, though? I mean, 29, 29 bucks or whatever. I mean, it's look, a no-brainer, really, isn't it? There's two There's two things here. Uh, there's two ways of looking at it. First of all, as you say, $29, I mean, it's it's ridiculous because uh, it's it's great. It's it's a it's a great plug-in that sounds good. I mean, it has that kind of cherry audio sound. I find that a lot of the cherry audio stuff, I'd love to someone that really knew what they were doing to look under the hood and actually see the coding to see, you know, because they do all sound, they have a sound. Um, and there's a kind of, I don't want to say a generic sound, because well, that's, maybe they're that's going, maybe quite... that's, I mean, it's possible that they're doing that that's... thing that Artoria started out doing and then stopped doing. Yeah, which, was, which yeah. is basically having a tal engine and just giving it the features of that. A different newer. Than... It's no... they don't yeah, do that they anymore. Don't... I might add. No, no, no. The Arturia, no, they don't. And and it's not that they all sound the same. That's not that's not true at all. It, it's not that they all sound the same. But there is a kind of uniformity, shall we say, to okay. the way they sound. Um, uh, and so what I I spent some time doing was because i've got uh i've got one of the i think i told you i've got one of the new ms20 the white ones oh yeah so i got 
I got one of those and I've got the M, the module, and I've got the the mini. So oh, I got the those desktop. all. Do you get the desktop? Yeah. But yeah, that's the one so I've got, for me. I think it is. No, I, the, you're is absolutely the right. The reason I bought the white one was because it's white and we know what I'm like with my stupid <laughs> ways. Um, so so I had them all. And then I compared it to the uh, to this one and also to Korg's own MS-20 plugin. And the only thing I didn't compare it to, I've got the MS-20 on, um, on the Oasis because they had a plugin. All right. Uh, we, the Oasis was trying to, but I think a lot of the coding in the Korg um, software is similar or the same. I don't know. Yeah. Um, does this one sound like an, when you put them next to one another? Does, does this one sound like my MS twenties? That, as you say, they all sound different. No, it 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 doesn't. There's not a lot for me of MS twenty in there. The MS twenty Korg MS twenty software is closer to an MS twenty. Um, that's that's losing the focus here, which is it's twenty nine dollars, and for twenty nine dollars, it makes no difference to anybody whether it sounds like an MS twenty or doesn't sound like an MS twenty. It's a versatile synth that yeah. you could quite happily do whole tracks with because it's got enough versatility in there with the filters and you know, kind of obviously with the new additions, whatever. It's it's a, it's a great plugin for that kind of price, but it's it's not you know don't don't think you're going to get an MS twenty for for that kind of money but it's it's great i mean it's you know i'll use it it's it's on the laptop and i'll i'll be using it so it's, yeah um, the one th a, a couple know. of sounds i heard from the uh um brent march video was the um uh that kind of square wave bass you know that all their square and square wave hollow pads where you're using square waves and playing that they just sound they have a yeah. certain thing and the ms20 has a very specific square wave sound. yes uh, yeah. I mean, this is before you can start to add the peak because the, on the original MS-20, which I mean, I'm sure I've said this before because it involves PWM. There's only a manual control of the PWM. You could get a modification. They made the desktop module, which in my mind was almost that's what the MS-20 should have been in the first place because it had mm -hmm. it had granular control of the individual oscillator pitches. It also had oscillator sync, which the original didn't, and it also had MS. And it, I just think it sounded fantastic, the, the, the MS-20 module, uh, which... Yeah. Uh, and so this has got all of that. So you've got access to those things, but it's not necessarily going to sound the same, same. But uh, how do you... Uh, do you read, do you read for the module much? Because I, I must admit, I, I did a demo of it. Yeah, when it was, it. it was... It was one of the things that, that lived in here. And I have to say, in this room, uh, there isn't actually a place for the module. But I have to say, having had, having messed with it again to do this, there was a huge bit of me going, well, oh, I think that module needs to come into this room rather than the other room. So uh, because of this, I have a feeling space will be made uh, for the module to come back in. Because it was the white one was going to go in here. But I think the white one will not go in here. I'll go in the other room and the modules are going to come into here. So Right. Um, I think you might have made but, the right choice there. If I may say yeah, so. Yeah, I, no, I, 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 no, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. And and it, it is those additions. And it's only when you kind of put them next to one another, you do start to um, to miss it when you don't don't have it. But but as I said, with this plugin, I'm, please don't think I'm not being damning. It's just it's yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's cheap and cheerful. It's but it's money. really it's got great. a lot going for it. Very yeah, useful. Like, very, very useful. Yeah. Uh, just a bit. Uh, let's have just you know just a quick scroll. Yeah, it's uh, forty nine euros slash dollars uh, after the initial launch period. So. Um, yeah, and there's a few sounds in here, but like I say, I, I wasn't getting pure. I mean, the MS20. I mean, 
bearing in mind the original MS-20s, they all sound radically different because they were different filter types on them, but also they age at different rates. I mean, I've got one which has got a bit of rust on it and it screams like crazy, you know, and it's also very unstable. I don't use it very often, um, partly because it's also got no... It's a non-standard control voltage, um, you know, so you, you have to use S-Trig and you have to use... Uh, it's, it's Hertz volts rather than volt per octave, so it's not the sort of thing you hook up very often. But as an instrument, you might pick it in and plug it in. I know that lots of people swear by them, and uh, so yeah. And as Steve was saying, it's his base machine, so go for it. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's have a look. Um, yeah. I, well, I think actually what I might do is just have a little word from our friends over at Modal. Between topics, this course is the Modal Cobalt Eight which is the 8-voice extended virtual analog synth. Very attractive looking, I might say. Uh, innovative oscillators with 34 algorithms, morphable four-pole ladder filter, 29 endless encoders for real-time control and controlling external stuff, which is worth mentioning. Internal sequencer and arpeggiator MPE support for expression, which works very nicely. Modal app for Mac, Windows, iOS, Android, and VST3AU. If you want to check out more, go over to uh, bit.ly slash get underscore modal, and you can find out more about their stuff right there. So uh, let's go into. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm jumping. I'm gonna go to the next topic along, and just because this is interesting, it might have sort of resonance in terms of uh, some of the some of the things that we're going to talk about in terms of studio. So this is the Wilson Audio Chronosonic. Uh, amazing looking speakers, speakers. really interesting. I, I mean, it's uh, this is all marketing fluff, but on this is the each of those modules can be adjusted microscopically. So in terms of aligning the drivers over time, which as we know is very critical when it comes to speaking. I mean, this guy is, you know, he's he's absolutely devoted to uh, high-end audio. You know, there is a bit of snake oil perhaps. I mean, but and these are insanely expensive. It's like the Formula One of, uh, you know, hi-fis. These are at like $700,000 or pounds and you need I think these, it's, it's, let me see, is it, they're 900 pounds, uh, they weigh 900 pounds each per channel, easily done. and uh, what was the other thing, it was, I'm just the trying to see, there was some more stats I had here. Almost countless refinements. All I just thought, things. I mean, we can all laugh and go, oh, that's ridiculous. What a what a ludicrous kind of concept. Because, I mean, it's an, and, and they're passive. <laughs> Let's not forget. So 700 grand and they're passive. And you'd need, I think it's six amps to, dr to drive them. I think I had a picture of the, uh, of the, the, the back bit. Um, let me see if I can find it. Uh, I'll have to. I mean, time alignment, because normally modern speakers now have a lot of DSP in them to align the time and kind of correct the room. And this is kind of old school, but the, the thing that makes the, you know, you can adjust them by absolutely microscopic amounts of timing. Presumably when you buy them, you have to have some kind of expert in with some insanely expensive measuring equipment to make sure that where you sit is it. Because I mean, the thing is that they're only going to, if you adjust them that much, they're only going to sound that good in one, in one very specific space. But I bet they sound amazing. And it's the sort of, it's the high end kind of, uh, um, hero product, I suppose. Um, I'm going to come to you, Ty, because I know you went through this whole thing about, you know, which speakers should you get and whatnot. I mean, these things look, I mean, they certainly, they're a bit of a statement. You'd have to have them quite high up. You wouldn't be able to put them behind your desk. That's the only problem. They wouldn't be practical no. in a studio environment. They're more for <laughs> hi-fi, right? <laughs> they're totally 100% for hi-fi. I mean, these, the thing is, there's a market for this, you know, because at the end of the day, if you think there's a you know there's plenty of rich people in this world and they want their toys and 
they're not into music. They're not into studios. You know, you get rich studio owners who just buy loads of synths and and that kind of thing. But these people, they want their toys, so they buy cars and flash hi-fi and all this kind of thing. Um, a lot of it, I have to say, sometimes because I, I mean, I've, I mean, my, I've got quite a lot of what I consider high-end hi-fi. So my main hi-fi is it's worth about 20 grand or something, which I consider to be quite high-end. But obviously compared to this, it's, it's absolutely nothing. It's absolutely <laughs> peanuts. Um, but over the years, because because I've gone, I've bought a lot of hi-fi, so I've, I've managed to listen to some of these really, what again, high-end stuff, but like, you know, 70 grand speakers or 150 grand speakers. I've heard, I've heard them. I've sat and listened to them. You're right. In terms of, in terms of amplification, because they're passive, you're going to need to spend at least least realistically at least another 100k just to get something reasonable and that literally is 100k would get you something reasonable to power these not what you'd really need um so it goes into you know a million pounds realistically a million pounds is if you're going to use these like that and there's a market for this and do they sound do they sound that different you see this is the issue and this is what I learned when you'd I was. You'd convince yourself, wouldn't you, if you'd spend that much money? <laughs> That's the thing, though. But the thing is, it's like a, it's like an inverted uh, exponential um, hi-fi, like speakers. Is you know the difference between a hundred pounds per speakers and a thousand pounds per speakers is huge. I mean, humongous. And then a difference between a thousand pounds and five thousand pounds is a lot, but not that much. And then between five thousand and 20,000 is a little less. And then it gradually, every difference gets less and less and less the higher up you go. But the reality is that's what you're paying for. And the difference between these, for example, and a pair of 100,000 pound speakers will not be a humongous amount. It will be better, but it won't be a humongous difference, but people are willing to pay that. And a lot of it, when you get to a certain level, it's also about the, the, the build quality and what it's made of. It's not just about sound, it's about aesthetics and it's about um, yeah. the quality of the material and the engineering. And you, the fact that you can get this down to, is it, is it fifth of a millionth? Uh, a two, millionths of a, of a millionth, two millionths of a second. Second in time, yeah. you know, I mean, in time, time alignment. alignment. That, that in itself is, it's it's like a it's like a laboratory tool. And yeah, so well, maybe you if you were to, sort you of have... fixed, maybe if you if you were actually wheelchair bound and you couldn't move your upper body or your head, it would be perfect because you'd be always yeah, the, in the but, perfect position, wouldn't you? So, but the thing that they don't they don't. I mean, when you see all the advertising for this, this is what I find hilarious. When you see the the advertising, the pictures, and all this kind of thing, they always 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 show it in a very rich penthouse with lots of yeah. glass and you know. And the reality is, if you listen, put those speakers in that a, a normal room acoustic like that and put a pair of 40 grand speakers in that kind of you would not really hear anything the only the only value in this level of speaker is where rooms are like studios essentially properly treated mm, and that is point. once you go above that level that is when you start hearing the difference but the reality is if you start sticking it in a glass big room like that the difference between this and a lot cheaper pair of speakers is nil and zero i mean i, I was learning when i was when i was choosing the monitors here the amount of difference it was making and this is a this is a semi-treated room this isn't fully treated it's semi-treated and i've got a trin-off system running as well and that is what's making the difference between the speakers not just the speakers if that makes sense yeah yeah so. i suppose so i don't know i, th I think but, i mean i i think i uh, sorry steve i'll come to you i mean 
speakers are important. They should be important to audio professionals. I mean, this is obviously an extreme case that we're talking about here. I mean, have you ever, because I don't think I've ever listened to something that expensive. I, mean, I suppose the most expensive speakers I've probably ever listened to have been in a big studio, like the big, the bigs, you know, like the, probably something like the, you know, I don't know what they would have been, you know, maybe uh, ATC, SCM 200s or something like that, which I really like. And I would probably go for something like that. Um, have you heard anything of this sort of ilk before, Steve? Yeah, um, not not quite this expensive, um, but um, I think a, a few years ago I did a little. I, I was on uh, this show and I did it from our place down in in Puerto Belus, and um, there was a, a Bang and Olufsen uh, showroom that was as you went into the marina down there. And I remember just strolling in there one afternoon, um, and they had a. There, uh, it wasn't even a Bang & Olufsen uh, setup. I'm not quite sure which uh, brand it was, but they said that they were doing like a, a demonstration of this incredible system, but you had to come out of the showroom and go into the marina and go onto one of the, these yachts that was... Uh, that I just assumed it was owned by a Saudi prince. But, you know, as, as Ty said, that's where your market is for this kind of thing. It's people who are exceptionally uh, wealthy. Anyway, so I went on there and, um, yeah, it, it sounded absolutely extraordinary. But but also I, w- I was more impressed by um, the boat and the rest <laughs> the of the environment, environment it was in, yeah. You know? <laughs> Than, than the speaker. I mean, I kind of get the, got the impression that the uh, Swedish salesman just didn't have anyone to talk to, so he thought he'd spend half an hour with me playing me Phil Collins. I seem to remember oh, on this boat. I'm so um, sorry. And it, you know, it, it sounded uh, <laughs> it sounded amazing, but um, no, yeah. There, there, well, I suppose you would have been acoustically kind of thing, decoupled but... from anything. You know, the the boat in itself is is kind of acoustically decoupled, so you wouldn't have had any of that low frequency. I, I think, yes. And I think with so many of these things, it's they're either selling you a lifestyle or they're selling you something that complements your pre-existing lifestyle, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I, I don't have a 100-foot uh, boat that could be owned by a Saudi prince, so it didn't really... Um, yeah, well, you're not right. I, I, yeah, me neither. Um, they do a, 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 a but, various other machines, which, I mean, they do look, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. I could see how they would appeal because they're beautifully engineered. I mean, overly well, engineered, so perhaps, you know, but they do look they, kind of um, impressive. They remind me a little bit of the um, the robots that were in uh, a sci fi program called Caprica, which was on about 10 years ago, which was rather good. So that kind of amused me. But I was looking through the specs. And I think you mentioned already that they're talking about um, these being the most time domain correct loudspeaker in Wilson's history, um, down to one five millionth of a second, which I, I, I don't really know what that gives you, frankly. And that, that's 5,000 kilohertz, which I, I tried to imagine what that sounded like. And all I could come up with was that's going to sound really high. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the frequency response or the time response. I'm not sure which. Uh, which the, I mean. the, the time. I mean, to, they, they said the time domain. Um, and then I also I just what, uh, just earlier I was just um, doing a quick calculation. Like, what is the distance that a sound wave would travel at five thousand kilohertz? And I've got zero point zero 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 six seven meters. So I'm just wow, thinking that you could have the speakers that are so incredibly breadth. aligned, but then you turn your head and... And it's gone. <laughs> oh, it's screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
But I think the whole but, the whole time alignment thing it 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 does work because I mean I think on, on actually on your recommendation, Nick, I I basically when I was testing the monitors, which ones to get, I got some of the key threes that yeah. you would you would point in the direction yeah, of. So I got a pair of the key threes in, and the, there's a lot of DSP. I mean, they are all DSP essentially to 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 make um, the whole time alignment thing work, and it does make you you know when you turn it off and on it does make a difference it's not it's not just snake oil you know it really does make a difference clarity um, and tightness and, fo- uh, and, and how focus a- yeah how and accurate focus. do you need it to be Ty? how accurate do you need it to be well ironically this is the reason that i don't have key threes <laughs> behind me as we speak um because although it was they were very they were very accurate and very clinical you could you could basically fool them and i don't want to sit here damning them because they are great speakers you know they 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 are great they're very entertaining but in terms of accuracy for mixing um it was you could it was literally a case if you could do some mixes on them and think you absolutely nailed it and and you'd then transfer and it would be amazing and then you could do other things with it that literally completely fooled them. I mean, I, I just remember one instance with a, a snare drum where I had at the time, I think I had four other sets of monitors that I was comparing it to. And on all the other four sets of monitors, this snare drum sounded like the same snare drum. Obviously differences, but the same snare drum. And it came to the key threes and there was a huge dip. There was a huge dip around uh, 150, 200 hertz that just literally disappeared. And the snare drum sounded nothing like it did on every other set of monitors. And because that because that had all the DSP, I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe this is actually the correct one. And then I did some recording and testing and tried it and other stuff, and it's not. It was, and that was. It was at that point that I just went, Do you know what? As a as a master, you know, kind of a pair to mix on, I, I can't I can't live with these because if it can fool you, and it was it was that it was a complete completely fooled the system. And I've I've never heard it on any other monitor, and so um, yeah, so that's why they dis- that's why they disappeared. But they sound great. The whole DSP time alignment thing does work. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it wasn't for me, that's for sure, though. But okay, and end up All with right. these big things instead. So. Yeah, well, they do look nice. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. I just thought it was put, worth putting in there because I just thought, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, let's, uh, what are we? Well, we, I might go, should we go back to the um, number one, which is the uh, Fault Octave. Uh, let me just get the website up. It's a new hardware synth that is essentially a wavetable module uh, that allows you also to... Uh, apparently says you'll be able to load uh, serum patches, which is a big deal to a lot of people because serum is ultimately, you know, the voice for a lot of contemporary productions. And it's certainly for, like, rhythm and bass-based stuff. Yes. I mean, it does other things as well, obviously, but serum is a, 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 a synth that people really go for. And obviously having hardware control over that is an interesting idea. I, I mean, I do think that what he said was he actually has to manually uh, translate them over. But uh, they're... Hi. And welcome. Yes, I won't say any more because his the, the audio is terrible on the voice. Um, uh, so yeah, we're live on Kickstarter. Well, let's have a look, see what it's doing on Kickstarter. Um, they're no, live it's already Kickstarter. it's already done. Yeah, okay. it's already. Um, yeah. Oh, it's been and gone. Twenty nine days to go. So they're doing okay. So this is the uh, center center serum inspired Urat modular wavetable synth, and uh, they've got twenty nine days to go, and they're already twice what they uh, more than twice what they need. 
This colour looks interesting. I, and maybe I'll come to you first, uh, Steve. Uh, uh, serum, does Serum feature much in your productions? I mean, it features in a lot of people's productions. It's a very prominent synth, uh, very yes. well thought of. No, I, I absolutely, I love Serum. I mean, I know that I tend to enthuse quite a lot when I come. Definitely my sort of favourite soft synth. Um, uh, useful in, in a lot of ways. I, I don't make EDM or, or that kind of thing, but what I found that Serum is really uh, useful for is, of course, making your own wavetables. And what I found is uh, particularly good at is taking a, a sample, let's say like a sample of a guitar, just a, a single note, and creating a, a wavetable that will have, you know, 256 different frames. But you can then isolate individual frames and morph between those frames. And, and you end up with uh, a digital sound that's got a large part of the movement of a mechanical, you know, electromechanical sound, like an electric guitar. And it just, you end up with just something that, well, it's unique. Frankly. Right, and and Serum does that for you really easily. Now, this is what really uh, interests me about this module. Um, it's it's the ability to take those uh, software uh, sounds and have them in a hardware format. It's something that I've been wanting for a long uh, time. I know actually, there's um, the called ModWave. I don't know when it's going to be available, but there's talk that that synthesizer will also be able to load in Serum wavetables. In this, though, it's not clear to me from the website what kind of refinement is required in order to get the wavetables into this unit. Uh, right. So it doesn't actually load in presets as far as i can tell it's not like you get the uh, no, so, well i've got actually here it says it supports serum and dune 2 format wavetables so you can load the wavetables ah. in uh and right. wav you could do wav files but i think some of the actual patch mapping from what i read uh, of the uh, uh when i was watching the long form video there uh, i'm reading on the website that there, there are you know patches can be ported sort of on mass i think they just need there needs to be some sort of interpretation in between so it's uh, perhaps it's not something that the individual mm. can do i'd have to check that well that will be interesting because you know the the editing facilities that exist within serum to make bespoke wave tables are extraordinary quite frankly you can you can go as deep into it as you like we I, i'm not afraid of uh, mathematics in fact i embrace it um but you can actually create your own functions that draw out uh waves and, and multiple waves in whatever way that you want so that's kind of interesting but i i don't know i'm not sure whether this is going to be the machine for me right. simply because simply because I, I'm not really sure what I would get from having uh, what is it's monophonic, isn't it? No, it's polyphonic. Monophonic, it's poly. Oh, it's polyphonic. It is actually Sorry. poly. Sorry. Yeah, four yeah, voices. But it's, but it's it's right. So it's paraphonic in the sense that you've got four pitches that can be outputted at the same time. Uh, well, I think what a, what. A, yes, I don't I know about that, but. I, I'm not sure no, if it's okay. actually uh, whether it says four poly polyphonic four voices. So I'm guessing, and you could have multiple oscillators per voice uh, in total. The center could deal with as many that it can have as many as two hundred oscillators. So that means okay. Well, that that sounds terrific. I think w what it comes down to uh, whether this would be a goer for me is 
essentially how enjoyable it is to work with the unit. Yeah. That's, that's, I think for me, the defining aspects of a, of the synthesizer for whether I'm going to buy it and keep it these days. It's not so much the facilities, but would it give me, would it take me somewhere that serum can't, yeah, um, well, that's true. And of, I uh, guess you could always you people. could always MIDI control that up, can't you, to make the environment that you want. Um, just a few facts and figures um, quickly. It's uh, September 2021, um, and it's going to be about 273 quid, which isn't actually that unreasonable for, you know, a, a bespoke custom module like this. Wavetable synthesis is a big deal, though, isn't it, Ty? I mean, it's kind of, it, it's really, it's the sound of now, or certainly has been um, in the past, <laughs> if that's a, not yeah, an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> no, when we when we saw this, I just started to toss up how many uh, wavetable hardware synths I've got, uh, and I've got eight. So wow. it's actually got quite a part in my in my gear setup. Um, wave wavetable synthesis can be incredibly uh, incredibly useful in terms of sound design. It's it can be fantastic. Um, you know, obviously the more sophisticated ones means you can go deeper, as Steve was saying. And I mean, from my point of view, Serum is very much a no-go for me. I just don't like it. I don't like the sound of it. It has a it has a sheen. It has a sound. It's one of the... I'm not... It's just not for me. I can understand why it's such a huge part of EDM and, and that kind of scene and why it is the sound that you hear everywhere. And I get that. But it's not a sound that works for me at all. It has a certain... It's one of those synths that has a certain sound and it's right. i just don't like it particularly and so i mean i've i worked with someone on a project a couple of years ago that they were really into it and used it loads and i just i yeah just didn't take to it at all right. um so with this um obviously they're playing on the fact that it can uh, import the serum um wavetables which obviously is one of their selling points but i'd almost from personal point of view i'd kind of go okay no that's 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 (laughs) fine shut shut up shut up about that bit let's talk about the other bits and i think the only slight problem i have is on that on that level you have to take the demos that are available and listen to what it actually sounds like now not not about what's promised because they're saying hopefully it will have this and hopefully it will have that and so but i have to say just taking it on how it sounds at the moment um in the in the in the videos it doesn't sound that great mm. i mean that's the reality oh, when they're wow. turning around making a big thing going oh and we now we've layered 48 oscillators on top of one another and you listen to it and it it doesn't sound that it just Mushy, doesn't sound it that great. Well, in my experience, yeah. the wavetable synthesis is all about the interpolation between the frames. If you get absolutely, that, and and uh, like I did a thing on pigments recently, and that's got really nice interpolation, and you get a real sort of it's an organic sound. It, it can either because you know at, at its very earliest stage, you know the the kind of early Waldorf's, it was kind of clunky and steppy because that's all that yeah. was available technology. The modern mm-hmm. ones, which have this smooth transition, are re- a joy to hear. I think, aren't they? Some of them are, but. That, that that's what I mean. It's it is that thing of it's one of it really is one of those kinds of synthesis where although it's called wavetable and there's so many synths that call themselves wavetable synths, they do all sound completely completely different. I mean, you know, there's some things that I mean, some of this, for example, the the wavetables when you're using the Medusa, for example, it's really a bit gritty and lo-fi and a bit 
yeah, you know, kind of you actually, it's not great, but that has a certain quality about it. And then you take something like the Solaris, which again is wave tables. And some, sometimes it has exactly the same, it's like for my microwave XT has the same wave tables in as the Solaris. And yet they sound nothing like one another, you know? And again, it is about the way that it actually is moving between the wavetables. So it is one of those types of synthesis where it can very much have a, a sound. And yeah. that's, I think, it's just that's what which is interesting because that, that's almost pure maths isn't it it's the maths that makes yeah. it sound which is a kind of interesting concept i suppose in many ways yeah yeah fun. yeah i mean I, I, I think just to build on what ty was saying i mean uh i i've been using the argonate quite a lot uh mm. just recently and it sounds very very different to serum the sound of which i really like by the way um but <laughs> you're allowed what to I, what i've noticed is <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that I'd, I'd noticed about uh, Serum was that uh, pretty much everything it does, you know, I fall in love with, except for what it does when you modulate the two oscillators together. So, for example, um, the FM capabilities on Serum, not great at all. Mm. On the Argon 8, though, same overall sort of synthesis approach wavetables um but the fm facilities and the argonate are, are a completely sort of unsung kind of hero i would say of what it can do you got you get all of the um uh simplicity of just a one mo- two uh two character one modular one carrier uh, oscillator fm sort of uh, algorithm but then you've got all the, the fantastic uh, movement within the wavetables um which are smooth as a as a smooth thing and just you end up just in uh, places that wavetables and fm individually just wouldn't be able to take you put them together and they sound tremendous so yeah there is a there's a, there's a huge uh, difference in sound between these synthesizers um, but I love serum. Good. Well, that's absolutely fine, and uh, there's nothing to be, uh, nothing to apologise for there. Um, let's absolutely just take a quick not. break and uh, listen to. Um, Isotope Producers Isotope. Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. Or if you want to save yourself a few quid, we've also got uh, Sonic Talk, uh, isotope.com forward Sonic Talk. If you start there and use the code Sonic10 at checkout, you can save up to 10% on all uh, non-subscription and hardware products uh, there. And in fact, they've got, uh, just about see it there, 49 bucks. There's uh, 11 plugins as part of the community appreciation 
depreciation bundle. And I suspect you may, in fact, be able to get that 10% on that, but we'll have to see. 49 bucks is not bad, but we want to say thank you very much to Isotope for uh, supporting the show. Uh, much appreciated. Okay, um, let's see. Where's, where should we go next? We've got we've got a couple of things here. So we could do workflow or we could do studio. Uh, the, the, the the Star Wars studio. Do we want to do the studio or the, uh, or the neat? We can do them sure. both, can't we? We can probably do, do them both. both. All right, let's go. So this is... Uh, no, that's not it. It's this one. No, it's not. Good grief. I've got it completely wrong. Where is it? Damn. No. Hey, guys. There we go. To Sorry, yes. I beg your pardon. Again, Hooray. a road trip with Vanessa in the Netherlands, our favorite country, except for, for the driving. It's a little boring. So this is a this is a video by John Sign uh, who goes to visit. I'm just trying to find my mouse so I can fast forward it. Go as fast as you want to. So we come into uh, the studio of Man Beach. Man Beach. Nice. So this is Martin who's this is home uh, studio, but he's got. Some, he's really into Star Wars. Um, I mean, it's in an old swimming pool. And this is the control room, which is. I mean, it's just an amazing piece of design designed by uh, Misha Jacobi, who I believe is a eminent designer. Star Wars themed. And it wasn't really this. It wasn't this piece. wasn't necessarily what an amazing, which is an amazing studio. It'd be a great place to work. It was. It was kind of like how far do you go? You know, because ultimately, for me, a, a, a studio has to be living and breathing. And if you design something too highly, then anything that comes along that doesn't fit in with your initial vision, which is bound to happen with technology, might end up meaning you have to start again or cut a big hole in something or whatever. I'm going to come to you first, Ty, because I know this is something that you are currently going in. I mean, amazing. I mean, I've seen your studio. It's great. And, it, you know, it's not as locked down as something like that. You know, it's not as kind of everything hidden away and sort of, you know, beautifully presented because it has to live and breathe. You want to be able to take a keyboard out and move it around or whatever, you know, and you have to surely have a living and breathing space for work. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I have to say everything about that studio for me was was everything that I'd, I would absolutely hate. I mean, <laughs> okay. no, 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 I, I, no, on every level, on every level, because although because it was all filmed with a wide angled lens. And so if you actually work out how big the actual space where you're sitting is, it's actually quite small. And I went and looked at the designers, the designer, and I went and looked at his designs and other, other studio is made and all of his builds tend to be because obviously he's thinking acoustically as well they're very small small and clean. they're very right. small enclosed spaces um and i literally my i i'd hate it i would absolutely hate it the second thing is anything that has a theme in my eyes is just automatically total tack I cannot cope with if it's a Star Wars theme or a film theme or whatever kind of theme. It's a, this is all, I should point out, this is a very personal point of view. It's well, a kind I, of, you know, grow up. We're <laughs> not kids anymore. We're not kids anymore. And so a studio is a studio. And I want it to be a space, as you say, a living, breathing space for me to work and inspire. If that works for him and inspires him, that is absolutely brilliant. But as you say, if you look at what, it wouldn't work for me. If you look at the gear that he's got, it's incredibly minimal. He basically just does all the work in the box. That's fine. 
but there's no room for, as you say, for error. There's no room for expansion. There's no room for change. When I had, because all all the stuff in here is completely bespoke, AKA made it. And so it's all bespoke for this space, but it's all made so that at any point, anything can be changed and moved. When they were wanting to embed the nuage desk and when, you know, kind of embed the 55 and all this kind of thing, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this needs to be, if I want to change this and move it, I don't want to have to get the whole studio redesigned just to change one piece of gear. And so you're exactly right. In here, things come and go and get changed and move around. And and that's how it has to, for me, that's how it has to be. So there's no theme, there's no novelty, there's no tackiness. It's a very functional working space. And that's just the way my head personally works but there is aesthetic involved in designing any space anyway like you, oh, don't you, get me wrong. you include you choose you know you choose the color or whatever it may be so yeah there's a huge amount of aesthetic but it's literally it's it's done in a kind of functional kind of way the only non-functional thing about the studio is the fact that i have fancy colored lights all around that's that's the only well, that's but quite again a that's thing that, that's that's the thing that people often do because that means you can change the environment very quickly without having to rebuild it absolutely that's it it's that that in itself becomes living and breathing because some days believe me i will be in a green mood or i will be in a purple mood or i'll be a whatever it is it's something as easy as that to do it but the the the, the expense and lengths that he went to to fit these he did say how many fiber optic lights were going in to cause that kind of star effect and the 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 cost of that and the time involved in that and the all of that i mean You'd be want to show, you you want to make sure you got that right, wouldn't you? That's what that, that was exactly. kind of my point, really. The fact that it's like, well, I I couldn't nail it down. That I'd feel so uncomfortable with actually going that far because when it's built and you go, I was I was wrong about it. I, what I actually wanted to do is have that there, and it's like too late, too uh, late for a long time <laughs> unless you're really absolutely. Minted. And it's just, it's the same thing with soffit speakers. Is the it, you know kind of is the fact that. It's absolutely fantastic that he's had these, these those are one-off monitors and made for that space and that whatever. But at certain points, what happens if you want to change those monitors or what happens if you want to adapt? And when they're as bespoke as that, and when, especially when they're soffit, you know, kind of mounted, which we all know the issues when it comes to soffit mounting speakers anyway from when the 80s where everyone did it and then everyone most people then regretted it and ended up you know mixing on the near fields because they actually believe the near fields not the main monitors yeah. and i'm not saying that's what's happened here but there is that thing that the moment you start getting things soffit mounted it's that thing of you're in there for the long term the good or the bad you're in there for the long term and yeah. Obviously, he, he the way he thought about this is just is very bespoke to him, and that's fantastic, and it obviously works for him. But for me, yeah, just my idea of 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 hell. <laughs> Steve, I mean, I can see your space is fluid. You know, you haven't got things built into cabinets. You've got tables, you've got shelves, you've got things that you move around. I don't know about the rest of the room, but I mean, what 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 do you tell? No, I mean, have you, have you had? Right. And this in your it's in your house as well. I mean, do you actually have you actually done it where you yeah. have built us? excuse me, a bespoke studio and considered those things and then, you know, thought, did I get, do that right? Um, not in this house. No, I used to have, um, I had a couple of studios actually up in uh, Newcastle back in the 90s when I did all that. Um, but no, I've set up this room largely as a as an inspiring environment for writing because I don't, I don't really complete 
uh, I don't do mixing or complete productions here. This is more um, a place. It's sort of my happy place to, to right. make new things. If, Very important. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was just thinking what Ty was saying there about having a, a themed room and... It, it reminds me. Uh, there's a there's a hotel in Brighton. I, I won't I won't say its name, but it, each room is themed in one way or another. Like there's a Marilyn Monroe Cra- room, and there's a Crazy Bear. Is it Skyline. Crazy Bear? And, <laughs> pardon? Sorry, carry on. Is it Crazy Bear? Sorry. Um, and it, it reminded me of a couple of things. First of all, we did a, a promotion down there. God, about twenty years ago. Um, where I think it was like a Vodafone room, and it was the only room in the hotel where the- you couldn't get a Vodafone signal. <laughs> it was just <laughs> oh, the irony! Amazing, That's brilliant. Um, but also, the, but also the other thing is, is that for a while, I um, when I had singers and other collaborators coming down and staying in Brighton, I would send them to that hotel, and, and their choice of rooms because they were coming down and working during the week, and the hotel was very quiet, but. Almost everybody said the the novelty of being in a Marilyn Monroe room wears off very quickly. It's sort of like a, a bit like it was in that video, and that you, you walk in and your initial impression is wow. Then after a little while, you think this is actually mad, isn't it? This is a bit mad. I suppose. So yeah, I, yes, I guess we changed I mean- hotels in the end, and. and and it's, I, I just don't think ultimately it, it wouldn't be conducive for me to work. I just feel a bit like I was, um, you know, I'm not in a Star Wars mood every day, basically. That's a very, I th- and I think that's a fair, that's a fair point. A totally I fair think, point. I think, I think that's a totally fair point, but also exactly what Steve was saying. It's the fact that about his happy place. And it's the fact that if you actually look at that as an environment, and exactly as Steve said, when you initially walk in, it really is, wow, this looks amazing. But when you actually envisage, that's where you sit, like I do in here, you know, for 20 hours every day working, and you're just sat there in that environment, which is incredibly claustrophobic. If you actually look behind what's behind you, it's then to a narrow uh, corridor. With the with the screens all around you, it's an incredibly small space, and that's that's where you're going to sit for hours and days and weeks and months. The, I would get so claustrophobic in that, that space, and it would in no way be my happy place. Yeah, and there's no distraction, Steve said, is there? There's no, I mean, no, you can't look out and go, oh, look, there's a heron in the tree or whatever it may be. Well, you know? this well, this is the thing, as I you think- know. As you know, on my third, I, I'm getting another, the the other room done, and I'm having to do the design quickly. And we all know that glass is the last thing that you have in a, in when you're having studios done. You don't have glass. Everyone, every studio designer will say, "Please don't have glass." But the reality is, where I live has some beautiful views, has some beautiful. It's more important for me to have as steve said the happy place the place where i want to be and he's as and i find inspiring and if that means i have glass so i can look out and see this beautiful view rather than being sat in this you know the pod of an x-fighter i mean for god's sake you know that'll soon wear off but for me okay it's all personal but anyway the the place where i'm sitting right the, the place where I'm sitting uh, right here talking about glass, one of the reasons why I chose to, to, to make my happy place was is this window here. And there was a, a tree that's recently been pruned. Having that kind of, it's not wildlife, urban life, shall we say, um, just makes the time that I spend working on music in this room enjoyable and, and you feel connected to something. I think that the... Um, 
the studio we saw in that video, I, I wouldn't really feel like I was connected to it. Well, I, I mean, I, you know, here I am in, in a room in a, a room with. I mean, there's a big window here, but I, if I open it, it kind of completely changes. Oh, I'll, see, I'll let me have a bit of live window opening. See what happens. And also. <laughs> it's very bright and also yes. you'll notice my video editing screen is against the window and i can't edit video with bright sunlight behind i'll do my myself no, in no. you know so sometimes you have to just uh yeah keep the windows closed i i, I think you know if you with video is a it's a, a different consideration but yeah, i was just well. thinking that the first studio that we had with my old band up in newcastle was in the art center in, in on westgate road and it was a long room and down one side, it was all windows. And what you lost in terms of sonic accuracy and, well, it, it wasn't a studio room at all. Gained by the fact that you had a view out onto one of the busiest streets in one of the busiest uh, cities in the North and the vibe that came in um, just essentially informed everything that, uh, that happened in that room. So I don't exactly miss it, but I don't, it, it, it was yeah. uh, well, I had a studio in the centre of town. Which and it was, was 20 pounds uh, a week. Oh, nice. I had a studio in the centre of town, which is right next to the railway station, yeah. which meant I could easily distract myself by, I'll just nip out and buy a paperclip or a pencil or a piece of some tape to put on, you know, I mean, it's very easily distracted, which you don't always want. There you go. I mean, you're not. Can I just... Yeah. No, no, can I can I can I just ask if Steve was just just had a moment there of enlightenment because it really did look to me like someone was shining down upon him from upon high, and he was either having he was either seeing you know kind of Mary Jesus and all the rest or he was about to die, but There's, the entire screen completely white <laughs> completely turned into well, a whiteout. It did you feel your heart twinging? Were you were you having a mini heart attack then and were being called? <laughs> No, no, I, I, I do a lot of meditation time. That's what it is. No, oh, okay. This window, <laughs> it's west facing, and like the, the weather's so changeable at the moment. I can see, you know, I've got this huge view now. This tree is being back, and so the clouds move, the sun shines in, and, and the alpha back, correction yeah. on this camera just goes haywire. Yeah. Um, but it's all very celestial. It was beautiful. It was, well, it was, it was very celestial. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment. moment. It was a beautiful, a beautiful moment. moment. It was a beautiful moment. <laughs> Right, um, let's crack on with uh, the last... To now, I hope I've got the right... Uh, is this the right... Yes, this is uh, Christopher Lislegaard, a Norwegian artist who uh, does a lot of uh, controllerism and was getting a bit sick of uh, not remembering what they all were. So what he did was uh, he built himself a little doodah with... Uh, I think it's the question cool. that I've been asked more than anything is how do I remember what all the different knobs and buttons control? So today, oh, well, I mean, so he basically built this thing using a. Where is it? There's a lot of talking. There is an Arduino Uno and a little LCD sheet. About 35 quid plus his time to program. The Arduino keypad LCD shield. Um, what he actually does then is every time he turns a knob, it shows the value and it shows the parameter that he's accessing, which uh, actually when you've got a, a, a maybe a mute uh, a MIDI controller means that, you know, you, you you don't have to label everything. And if things are changing every time, it means you only see it once and you go, OK, I can remember that, which actually seems I mean, that's a great bit of uh, DIY uh, workflow hacking. And I just thought, you know, I, I priced it up. I think that Arduino Uno is 17 quid and the LCD is about a tenner. 
oh, 15 quid. So, you know, for 35 quid, you've got that. I'm the sort of person that would probably go to those lengths. I love those kind of workflow hacks because I'm doing it all the time. You know, right now, I mean, you know, I, uh, the, the last thing I've I plugged a... Uh, 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 a Raspberry Pi in the back of my telly because it's got enough USB power to boot up. So every time I turn the telly on, the power it boots up. The HDMI comes in and it shows the live stats for Sonic State on the on the screen here. And then I put a little button on the front that lets me shut it down safely. And I love doing all of that stuff. I mean, it's not necessarily a musical hack, but this thing. I mean, this would have taken quite a lot of work, I'd imagine. Uh, Ty, I mean, you're not the guy, are you? You t you tend to kind of identify it and 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 say I'll have that rather than build it. Although that's not. I mean, you. Your workflow must no. have adapted over the years as well. You must have built oh, custom. No, I mean, no, I've built nothing. I've literally oh. built nothing. I I don't <laughs> have my my knowledge of electronics is zilch. My note my knowledge of coding or programming is zilch. I know is the answer. And I I look at this and sometimes, you know, kind of I look at people that do do this kind of thing and it's just it's just like black magic to me in the same way that some people look at what we do and the way we write music as being black magic. Yeah. I look at people that can code and program and it, it it's it's great. The only thing when this one particularly is that I was looking at it thinking, Christ, if I was going to do what he's done and go to this trouble, you know, <laughs> at least at least use a bigger LED so at least you can get, you know, kind of bigger, more information on. Because when you actually watch him when he's doing it, he turns the knob and a lot of it will just come up with depth 96. And I'm thinking, what? Depth of depth of what? You know, and I think at least use a bigger LED. If you're going to go to this effort, use a bigger LED so you can actually put what the depth is, you know, what parameter completely. So, but other than that, I mean, hats off to him. Hats off to anyone that can do this kind of, um, uh, this kind of making stuff because that isn't me. I either, I either buy it or I pay someone to do, do it. I'm really not that man at all i'm fairly useless to be fair outside of music i mean as a general rule i am useless so um <laughs> not a practical guy i i no. I, I must admit i do like a bit of pra i do like um working with practical things you know and, and like, like i say i do i i will you know get dirty and try and uh do coding stuff because i just need to solve a problem and to find it's so it's so specific the problem i might have to solve it's quicker for me to figure out how to do it and do it than find someone who might understand what i mean and it's always been the See, case that's great. because, because that's of great. the but I think, and I think that's just because of the nicheness of it all. I don't know, Steve. Are you a kind of uh, workflow life hacker kind of person? Uh, no, not really. I, I did used to be as a kid. I, I, in the sense that I used to build um, electronic kits and uh, oscillators and noise oh, generators. Okay. And that I've kind never of thing. done I think that. That's, uh, yeah, it's kind of where my. Um, my interest in synthesis began. Little uh, sort of boards you could get from Tandy's, which uh, is uh, no longer with us. So no, so so hobbling things together like that—it's it's kind of beyond me. And uh, I'm, I have a bit of a short attention span, so I think I'd probably lose interest before I'd actually completed the job. But um, but what I, I do quite like doing though is using um, non-musical software in a kind of musical way in a sense it's kind of helpful so there's um a little program called todoist it's it's actually not it's like a sort of cloudy thing and it's where you um to-do lists you know just tasks oh ah, yeah okay yep, yep. Um, what i found found is really useful with that is that um if you're just going about your day or walking around the streets or out with friends or whatever um 
if you're looking for lyrical ideas or yeah, to put into songs, often things that people say or, or things that just appear in your head can um, uh, it's useful to kind of jot them down. But I find that just putting them into a notebook, I'll lose it. But ah, if you stick okay. it into these these list making applications, that's brilliant because you can keep them separate. You know that they're there, and on the day where you need to say something clever in a song. You can just refer you back to that program. That's not so a bad that, idea, yeah. I think there's lots yeah. of that. I mean, I've been doing a lot of program. I, before we do that, actually, I think he's in there still. Uh, Christopher Lisgard, hurrah, I made the show. He's actually listening and watching, which is fantastic. So hello to you, Christoph. Uh, I thoroughly recommend you check out his Organelle in the Snow video. Uh, I posted a link to his channel, so do check out some of the other stuff he does. It's, it's jolly good. Uh, you are looking biblical there. It's actually, you know, it's kind of like, I feel like we should have some sort of choral pad underneath you with the voice of God. Extraordinary. <laughs> It is amazing, yeah. It's like when you have a camera on top of a skyscraper that can't handle that much light. It's like that's yeah. what we're we're getting here. You, yeah, you're. It's yeah. two thousand and one, Steve. I, I you're think about this to is be possibly absorbed. the last time I'll do it. I'll do this show in this room. <laughs> no, I think it's fine. I think it's absolutely fine. It's just because you're wearing white as well. It's just like you're blending into a sort of into this. Uh, what would we call it? The uh, the the singularity, shall we say? Do you know yeah. what? It's a fantastic album cover. Yeah, it <laughs> certainly is. It is, actually. Um, let me hold on. Let me just get rid of that, and I'll just do a quick... Uh, I'll take a snapshot. Yeah. There we go. A couple of snapshots. I'll send you the pictures so you can see them in their full... <laughs> although you are a little pixelated. I don't suppose it matters too much. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I thought I'd bring that up, and it's great that he's watching as well. Fantastic. Um, I, I, one thing I will say, if, if people are into kind of, you know, maybe they're not into coding and they're not into a really good place to start is something like an Elgato Stream Deck, which is just a little box with uh, buttons on it that you can have uh, icons. I've and got one of those. Lots and lots. But once you start doing that, then you think, well, if I could get it to do, and then you start thinking, well, maybe I could Apple script that. Maybe I, you know, and it does start to kind of, make your mind inquire as what can I do with this button press that would enable me to do this really complicated thing that I need to do many, many times. And I think Macy, that's a really good, a good start. I've got, I've got one of those, but all go. I've done is get, I've got it set up for shortcuts and Cubase and that's it. I don't use it for anything else. Am I well, missing that, out on something? It'll do a whole lot of things. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of stuff it could do. You know, it's got oh, quite a deep okay. system and another integration. It's just like, you just think, oh, actually, what what would that, I could use that button for something. What could I use it for? And it, could, it might be, you know, making the lights green or what, I don't know, whatever it may be. Well, in which case, in which case, erase all of that that I said before. <laughs> I'm really useful at this kind of stuff. And uh, I've got a stream deck and use it all the time for everything in my life. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I am glad to hear that. I am glad to hear that it's working out for you. Uh, my camera's not coping with the extra light coming in from outside because the sun is shining as well. Um, I think we're probably, um, I think that was it, wasn't it? We've done a lot of topics. I think we have. I was going to ask if there's a, is there time for the, what have you discovered recently? What have you been, what plug-in or synth or something that have you been working on? It's something that we did last week and it proved to be quite, quite uh, Oh, I like, do you know, I like, I like that bit. I saw it last week and I think it's well, great. There we go. It's a great idea. Well, I don't then. really have anything to add to it because I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, this week I have mainly been, um, I've been using my MPCX this week. Really? Uh, which, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's, it's, it was basically, it's because, it's because of the, doing the studios, getting it all sorted and making space and aligning stuff. And um, so I had a space where I was going to have the machine studio and 
and it was sat there and I, I don't have a great i don't have a great relationship with machine if i'm honest i've never have done it's it's always kind of yeah it's been more of a pain and it's been worth to be fair and i suddenly thought well how about rather than using that why don't i put the mpcx because i as you know before I'm, I'm a big mpc man um over the decades and it kind of fitted in and so i kind of started messing with that and it's literally like muscle memory just all suddenly the whole mpc thing just completely suddenly came back because i hadn't really got into it for a while and um yeah lots of mpcx love i have to say over the That's last interesting over the last is the mpc is yeah. the mpcx the one with is a stand is that standalone or is that um sorry is that standalone or is yeah that, it's it, it's, it's the standalone, but it does it does also serve as a controller as well. It basically does. Oh, both. it's the it's the big one with all the controls on the CVX yeah. as well. Ah, yes, yeah, yes, that's what's yeah. the big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that does look good. Um, and and I think the great thing about it is that it's one of those that every time they bring out a new version, they're they're really adding something quality to the party you know it's not one of these where every update is just you know fix a few things and throw one thing new every time all of the updates it's bringing out quality stuff so um yeah, the last good, one was good they, team on the mpc um, absolutely MPC. the last one with all the drum synths and i've never really got into the actual the um uh, drum synths uh, built into it and so I started going to those and oh my god i mean it's really really you can get quite deep with it it's fantastic so um so that's that's, what that's i'm suddenly giving it a lot of love for the mpcx this week so. excellent what about yourself steve has there been a, a kind of something that's that's been floating in your boat recently or a new thing you've discovered i heard a guitar there i thought yeah there really is it's this Oh, um, is that I a myself ooh, to, uh, Jaguar? Is that a Jaguar? A new guitar. This is uh, uh, no, I wasn't going to go full shoegaze. This is um, a, a Jazzmaster ah. guitar, and um, I decided to get it in to help complete uh, a project that I'm working on right now because I had a, a Fender guitar for a long time that's just not really that great, so I've upgraded, um, but. What I found really exciting about playing guitar again, which I haven't done in a long time, is it, it, it's so enjoyable to have your body next to your instrument. Do you know what I mean? You can feel an actual physical connection with what you're playing. Um, it it, it kind of changes your relationship with your music kind of fundamentally. And so I've been playing a lot of this guitar. And I, I also just decided that, you know, I, I was playing a few things and it sounded all right. And I was thinking, oh, you know, it's slightly out of tune, but I'll fix that in Melodyne or it's slightly out of time and I'll just move it around. And, and I, I thought, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. That's what I would be doing if I was with a synthesizer or just using a soft synth. I'd be getting it kind of perfectly aligned within Logic or whatever. But instead, go back to the guitar and play Practice. what I needed to get. <laughs> play it again. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, do it again, basically. Yeah. I've got the time and I can play. So, um, but that was so e extraordinarily enjoyable. And it felt like a bit of a, a, a release as well. It, it, there's, there's just something really nice about playing an acoustic instrument. I, mean, I know this is an electric well, guitar, mechanical it, instrument. It's, it's yeah. about moving parts, you know. Yeah. Um, so this is what I would uh, I've been enjoying. And I would recommend to everybody, you know, no matter what style of music you're doing, there's there's something about a real know, instrument sound totally. being made in yeah. 
yeah, real instruments, you know, um, that, that, can I, that you don't get from anything else. Yeah. No. Can I just tell you this? This is actually just vaguely amusing. So, um, you know, I was doing that Greta Thunberg thing that, a few months ago. Yeah. So I was working on, I was working on a track and I spent ages working on this guitar track, but synth, you know, kind of uh, using samples, um, working to try and get it how I wanted. And I was working on it for about three hours to get it right. And it just wasn't kind of working. And, and I swear this is just this, my head just suddenly went, why don't I just get a guitar? Cause I can play, I mean, enough. I'm not a guitarist, but I can play enough. So I've got loads of guitars next to So I, I went and just picked up a guitar, came, played it first take. It literally took one minute to record it. That was it. Yeah. But I'd worked for three hours <laughs> trying to get it to sound right. At no point up in those three hours that I thought, why don't you just get a guitar? It was the same way that you remember when I did the, the, the vagina thing, um, I should, yeah, the, the vagina program, it was all based around clapping. I, it was only after I'd finished the project that I'd using all these multitude of samples and libraries of clapping. And I spent hours getting the clapping to sound right. And it was only after I'd finished it, I thought, why didn't I just clap? But, um, so you're absolutely right. Real instruments yeah. is, is, you know, it does make a difference. It does add a certain human quality that you can't get otherwise. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Good move, Steve. Well done. Excellent. Well, I think that's good. I, what have I been doing? I, I've been discovering the uh, the joys or not of and the power of Google spreadsheets, which is uh, a bit weird. Ooh. Yeah. Well, you know, if, for those of you who like, well, I, I'll tell you what it was that inspired me. Um, it was I've done an interview with Helena Rice, who is a great um, uh, musical artist who's been doing some visual things, but her background is in marketing, so she keeps an absolute tab on her like Spotify plays, her YouTube plays, her Amazon music plays, all of that stuff. And so she's used to kind of, she used to work in retail. So she'd have these massive spreadsheets with graphs saying, you know, on Tuesday we spent, you know, this much in advertising, got this many plays. And she's just got this massive kind of, this is, this is my digital life of my music project. And it's astonishing viewpoint of, you know, how deep you can go and how sometimes that can really help you get a figure out what's going to work and what isn't going to work. I mean, it's not for everybody at all, but you know, if you're marketing yourself, <laughs> anyway, I'm not okay. being very convincing. When I when I when I when I said that 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 studio was my idea of living hell, all of a sudden I've got a new You've version got one. of, of yeah, living okay, hell. I'll tell you, I years ago, many years ago, I went to Glastonbury as you do, and I walked into a uh, one of the booths and I, I thought, I'm going to have a palm reading. Of course, I don't believe it. It's all a load of crap, but I just thought, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I put my palm out thinking it was a load of rubbish. And the woman just looked at me and just the first thing she said was, oh my God, I've never met anyone that hates paperwork as much as you do. That's the first thing she said to me, which right. if anyone that knows me <laughs> knows that nobody hates paperwork as much as I do. It is literally, oh God, I can't do it. So Google spreadsheets for me is just like. Well, okay, fair enough. I mean, if you're into, if you're, <laughs> but if you're into, if you're into uh, any kind of data or you need to do any of that stuff, the pa I, I didn't realize what you could do with them and they're incredibly powerful. But yes, I, t I take your point. It's not for everybody and it certainly isn't for you. <laughs> so certainly for me. Maybe I should, maybe what I should do is start putting the show topics in a Google spreadsheet and share that with everybody each week. That would, that, that would force you to have a version therapy. <laughs> no, it'd force me to be on holiday every Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> 
Excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure as ever. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Thank you for Steve and thank you for Ty. It's been uh, good. Uh, and we should uh, say thank you very much to our friends at Isotope and also uh, Modal for helping support the show. It's been much appreciated. And don't forget, if you're interested, you can uh, join us on Patreon. I think I've got a thing that will go up here. Oh, no, that's not it. It's that, isn't it? That's the one. Uh, Patreon slash Sonic State. So, yeah, there we go. It's all there. Thank you to all of you folks in the chat room. It's been a real pleasure as well. Thank you, everybody. And I think uh, that's, well, yes, what can I say? Thank you very much. Uh, that was a Sonic Talk episode uh, 669, 670 next week. Uh, that's it. We're done for the week. See you all next time. Take care. Bye-bye now.